Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and as promised, welcome to another bonus episode of the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I do hope our time today helps you lead like never before. I'm going to share with you another interview that was uh, done by a guy named Doug Smith, who's got a great podcast going, and he just asked some great questions. And I thought, you know, I don't get a chance to talk about some of these issues in my podcast because I'm always interviewing other people. And uh, we're going to cover some fascinating subjects like personal health and renewal. Uh, we're going to talk about how do you actually know what to follow in leadership. We're going to talk about my best piece of advice for young leaders. I think for all leaders, something that I'm realizing. And uh, well, a whole bunch of other things. So uh, I hope you're going to find this helpful. And hey, we are also at the tail end of the opening of registrations for another round of the High Impact Leader course. So the High Impact Leader course is something that I developed last year, and I'm super excited about it. Of all the things I've done, I think it's got probably the greatest potential to change the lives of leaders. And by that, I mean like your entire life. Because what happened to me after a decade of leadership is I burned out, and I've talked about that. And one day I'm going to write a book about that. But anyway, in the meantime, uh, I've talked about that. I've blogged about it. You've heard about it on this podcast. But uh, in the 11 years since I burned out, I have been really disciplined about finding a new way of living. And I got asked so many questions about it over the years that finally last year I just wrote it down and I said, okay, these are principles that don't just work for me. They can work, I think, for everybody. And so far, um, well, prior to this release, we've had 1,800 leaders take the High Impact Leader course. And man, you guys, I'll tell you, you are so encouraging. So what this is about is getting your life and leadership back. Some leaders have called it a game changer. Other people have taken their entire team through it and reorganized their entire week. Al Kazi, who's the director of student ministries at Gwinnett Church, said, uh, man, I've totally rethought our schedule. He's got like spreadsheets and flow charts, and now they've changed how they do their meeting structure. I mean, it's, it's crazy to see how people are implementing this. Chris Sloan said, Carrie, thank you, thank you, thank you for providing the course. It has absolutely made an impact in my life and my family I can't even describe. Man, when I read stuff like that, it just makes me so happy. And so what will the course do for you? Well, you can go to thehighimpactleader.com and get all the details. And remember, registration closes in 24 hours. But what it does is it allows you to figure out how do I get what I need to get done when I'm at my best? Because you know how it is. You have this long to-do list and by the time the day's over, you're kind of like, oh, I didn't get any of it done. And then what happens? Well, you're working at night, you're working on the weekend, you're writing your message way too late. For those of you who are preachers or you're not getting your projects done and you're tired all the time and your family pays the price, you don't have to live that way. You will actually get more done in less time if you figure out how to get time, energy, and priorities working in your favor. So we've done some fun stuff with this release, this iteration of the High Impact Leader. You can get a digital-only version, which actually now gets you access to a private Facebook group that I will be appearing live in from time to time. You can get incredible peer support. In fact, all the releases this time get you access to a private Facebook group. But we've also got a limited edition premium uh, kit 
available. So that's a digital product plus this really cool high-impact leader physical edition. You'll get a USB key with the videos. You'll get the high-impact leader book, like a book book. You'll also get, I'm really ridiculously excited about this, a moleskin journal branded for the high-impact leader. It's gorgeous. Like, I can't believe it. And yes, it's actually moleskin, not a knockoff, okay? Plus, you get the private Facebook group, and we'll send you three templates that give you further details on some of the principles I teach in the course. So the premium edition is available. You've got the digital only edition available. You can get the details at thehighimpactleader.com. But what about the 1,800 people who got the course earlier? You're like, you're giving away stuff now you never gave away. Well, there's an upgrade available for those of you who either got a physical kit earlier or the digital access. And you can find the details for those at thehighimpactleader.com. Bottom line, and by the way, that includes now access to the private Facebook group So uh, for all the additions. So I'm really excited about that. And, and I'm also pumped about you guys helping each other and just you getting your life and leadership back. So that's the High Impact Leader launch. It goes away tomorrow. It's the last day where you can actually register in the course. And then it goes away for a long time till the end of the year. So this is it. This is it. And sometimes people go, well, what if I forget? Can I just email you Friday? Hey, man, that's happened in the times where we've done the course before. And the answer is no, to honor those who took advantage of the time when the course was open, because it's a lot of work to open it and so on and so forth and, and to maintain everything. So we do it in little episodes. And when it's closed, it's closed. And that's tomorrow at midnight. That's right. Thursday, May 25th, it goes away for the rest of the year until New Year's. So act now if you're at all interested in that. And I really do hope it helps you get your life and leadership back. And here, in the meantime, is my conversation with Doug Smith. Karen, thank you so much for being willing to do this interview. And why don't we just start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. I uh, live north of Toronto, Canada. I'm married for 26 years to an incredible woman, Tony. We met in law school. That's what I thought I would do with my life, but God had other plans. So I was a lawyer and then went into seminary, found a call halfway through law school, but finished up law and then went into seminary. Uh, we have two kids together. They're grown, 25 and 21. 25 year olds married, lives in Toronto, 21 year old still on the family payroll in school. So uh, nice. engineer and an accountant. And uh, yeah, we're enjoying the empty nest phase. I am the founding and teaching pastor of Connexus Church, a North Point strategic partner. And then I do some other stuff too. I, I'm spending a lot of time these days uh, writing, blogging, podcasting. I do a couple of podcasts and then uh, also uh, working on a big book. So a major release for next year. Yeah, that's great. Can you give us a little history of, of why you're so passionate about leadership and really your leadership journey? It's easy to see everything you're doing now with the podcast, the books, the church, but how did you actually get to, to sit where you are now? Yeah, you know, I mean, it started very... Um, small 20 years ago we just started leading a church i you know started three really stuck churches they were uh, i was a student uh, i was still in seminary at the time they were very small uh like average attendance of 6 14 and 23 so less than 40 altogether and uh by the grace of god we started to grow and people started to go why do you have a growing church so I would just literally get in my car go down the road talk to whoever wanted to talk to me and uh sort of explain it at first a lot of people were very interested in what we had to say. They're like, oh, that'll never work around here or whatever. So I feel like I've been doing it for 20 years. It's just all of a sudden all these people showed up over the last number of years. So, But that, that's it. It's just telling the story and then, and then really realizing that I think, you know, there's a character deficiency in the church among leaders, but there's also a leadership deficiency 
and anything I can do to help in a little way, uh, you know, in some small way, I'm happy to do. I love that. I am curious. So you said all of a sudden it's kind of taken off and uh, your platform has grown. What do you wish people knew about your journey specifically um, that they may not know? Yeah, um, mostly because I get a lot of questions about platform, you know, with the podcast doing as well as it has and, and you know, the blog being as widely read. And and that is, I, I don't think you can try to be that influential. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think if you're trying to build a platform, it's probably not going to work. So, you know, when people ask me, did you think one day? I mean, no, I never, never did. And that was never the goal. And when I was a young leader, you know, people, people are like, well, what should I do as a young leader? Build a platform. It's like, build your story. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, go work hard at something. Go, you know, you work for a, a rescue mission. Uh, I was trying to build a church. And so I think, I think you really need a story. And then if God ever chooses to bring you an audience, that's great. And if he doesn't, just be faithful to your story. And so um, that's, that's what I would say is most, yeah. most of the people who end up with, you know, any level of influence, often they didn't intend to, to get it. I love that answer. Uh, you talked about growth uh, when it comes to character. I'm just curious, what are things that you do on a daily basis to grow and develop? And specifically, I'm, I'm really interested in character development. Um, what have you done to grow your character? Is that something you can be intentional with? And how can leaders grow their character? Yeah, I think you have to be. I mean, for me, I kind of came into it uh, through the back door. Uh, just when I was in my 30s, we were going through a tough time in our marriage. My wife said to me, you better go get counseling. And like, I just, I was too stubborn and too proud to really go. I thought I sent people to counseling. I didn't get counseling. Uh, but I went and, you know, God was clearly speaking through her and through the different counselor I've seen over the years. And I really realized, you know, I've, I've, I've come to believe that it's not your competency that is a lid on your capacity. It's your character. Mm-hmm. Because we all know leaders who are extremely gifted and, you know, they ended up having an affair or doing something horrible or honestly, sometimes just being terrible people to be around. And, and that's, that's what actually took them out of the game or limited their game or changed the game. Uh, not that this is a game, but, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I want to be the kind of leader uh, or the kind of person, friend, honestly, human being that has a bigger character than, than competency. And I mean, that sounds kind of weird because I think the foundation yeah. is humility and, um, you know, so God's taught me an awful lot. And I think God will never be done refining my character every time, you know, he works on an issue. Maybe it's my pride. Maybe, maybe it's uh, the way I treat people or something. And I think, okay, I think, I think we're making progress. And people are feeding back going, okay, that, that's better now. And then it's like God shows you something else. And it's like, ah, oh, yes, we're not done yet, right? Because we're not in heaven. So um, what do I do with that? I think self-awareness is a big part of that. I think prayer um, praying through those things. I, I think um, really honestly, having really good friends around you who have permission to speak into your life, extremely important, you know, because you don't see yourself accurately. I don't see myself accurately, but my kids, my wife, um, my friends, uh, our elders, our staff, my team, they see me pretty accurately. And I think you have to give them permission to speak freely and, and let them know, you know, what am, what am I doing? I just wrote down some goals for this year. One of them is I really want to make sure I know how my team, what, what did I say? I can't remember. But it was like, I, I want to know how they're doing even more than I want to know what they're doing. Hmm. I think I That's borrowed really that from good. Jeff Henderson, who is one of my advisors. But it's getting people close enough to you that they have permission to speak into your life. And hopefully you have the humility to listen and, and to learn and to change. 
Yeah, um, along those same lines, and it may be the same answer, but I know in listening to you, you went through a pretty dark season of your life, and and now you're really passionate about creating emotionally healthy leaders and mm-hmm. and leaders that don't try to burn out. Can you talk a little bit about that stage in your life, and really what advice would you give to these young leaders who are so passionate about growing and developing and, and making it um, to not burn out and not get in the place that maybe you found yourself in? Yeah, I would say one of the things is, well, there's two sort of overarching principles that I learned because I burned out in 2006. So that was 11 years ago. And it's painful and I wouldn't wish it on anybody. And a lot of people go through it. Uh, I was just running at 100 miles an hour all through my 30s and kind of hit a wall at the end of my 30s. And and just, you know, my mind, my body, it just stopped working. And that's what burnout does to you. And you think, oh, I can control this. Not if you burn out, you can't. You really can't. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. But two big insights. Number one, I would say um, try to live in a way today that will help you thrive tomorrow. Like, what are you doing? Are your rhythms? Are your disciplines? Are, is, is today, because they're all busy days, right? I still have busy days. But like, I recalibrate now. And I never used to. It was just like, ah, there's no limits. And guess what? There's a <laughs> limit. There's this giant wall you're going to run into and it'll smack you. So um, try to live in a way today, spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, and relationally, that will help you thrive tomorrow. And then the second thing is work twice as hard on your character as you do on your competency. Because I'm going to assume people who are listening to your leadership podcast, Doug, uh, they're driven. They care. They're, they're listening to a podcast in their spare time. Um, just work twice as hard uh, on your character because... At the end of the day, at your funeral, right? Think about your funeral. Nobody's going to pull out your resume. Oh, look at how many downloads he had. This guy is awesome. <laughs> you know, yeah. look at the size of his bank account or the lack of it. Or, you know, they don't care about that. I've done a lot of funerals as a pastor. You know what people remember? Who, who were you? Were you kind? Did you take care, care of them? Were you a good father? Were you a good husband? Or were you a creep? And there's a lot of very successful people and even successful Christians who are kind of creeps and... Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I just don't think that's what Jesus has called us to. And so I, I have to, I can be a creep. So I, I have to really work on it. You talked about daily habits and disciplines. I'm just curious, what, what routines do you have uh, in your everyday life? Do you have a morning routine? Yeah. Do you read every day? Can you just go read or what a day looks like? I saying? wish I was a better reader than I am, but uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to read 20 books this year. And for some people that's like, they'll do that in January. That's fine. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm less of a reader than I should be. I do listen to podcasts, but here's, here's a typical day for me. I, I get up usually between four 30 and five 30, usually around five, 10 to five quarter to five. I'll get up, start my day just in the Bible. I follow the one version, one year, um, Bible on, on you version. And it has boxes that tell me whether I did it or not. And I pray. I'm using a prayer app from the Mission of St. Clair lately that's been really helpful. It's sort of Anglican, more high church than my tradition, but sometimes you need to, to mix things up. So I do that. And then typically I'll, I'll tackle a writing project, whether that is a sermon, a series, a blog post, a book, um, you know, some major content thing. I'm best in the morning. So usually... Before 10 a.m., at least three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I don't book any meetings. And I just, I tackle some big projects. You know, today was a little unusual. I had an 8.30 meeting because we're recording this on a Tuesday. It got canceled. So literally, I have way too many inboxes. I just like smashed out all my inboxes, cleared a to-do list. But 
you know, usually by 2.33 in the afternoon, I'm not as sharp anymore. So uh, my best ideas tend to come before noon. So I leverage that. I try to do what I'm best at when I'm at my best. Uh, I limit my meetings to about less than 50% of my life because I find if they go more than that, I'm not great. I just, I, I, I don't do well. I do best when I'm spending half or less of my time in meetings. Now, if I spend 70, 80% alone, eh, I get cabin crazy, you know, cabin fever. But um, so those are some of my daily disciplines. Uh, so Monday, Wednesday, Friday, no meetings, certainly in the morning, sometimes all day. Uh, Tuesday, Thursday tend to be my meeting days. Uh, Friday in the summer is a bit of a creative day. Saturday is a day off. And then Sunday I preach or, or I'm involved at church. And then the afternoon is rest and refuel. And I've eliminated most of the evening activities from my life, other than discretionary ones. I'm not, I'm not being meeting to death like I was when I was younger. So that, that's a typical daily discipline. Uh, as far as fitness, not a big fan of it, but I need to do it. So I spent 25 minutes on my bike, which is on a trainer in the winter here uh, today at lunch. And uh, often I'll do that late in the afternoon. But in the summer, one of my goals this year is to ride 2000 kilometers um, on the road. I usually do that an hour or two at a time at the most. I'm not like one of those guys who like, hey, I, you know, cycled to Chicago or something. No, (laughs) yeah, that's not me. But I'll do an hour or two at a time. And it's very therapeutic. Yeah. Um, while we're on the, the subject of, of routines, I do want to talk a little bit. So you have a podcast, you write books, you, you write a blog. Uh, you also are starting to do a leadership academy. Um, can you talk about just building your platform? I guess we'll just cover them all. You know, what is what is podcasting, blogging and writing books done for you? What have you learned through it? And to all the aspiring people who want to do have a podcast or write a book or have a blog that consistently puts out content, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I would say try to figure out what you want to do. And so for me, I just want to help leaders. Like my heart is for the church. My heart is for church leaders. I'm not really in the business space. I mean, there's a lot of business leaders who listen or who read, but they tend to read or listen because they care about the church that they're involved in, which I think is great. I mean, I know that world from law. There's no magic to blogging or podcasting or writing books. Like, I think the day will come where I'm probably not doing a podcast. I don't know what's going to happen to podcasting, you know? There used to be cassette ministries back in the day. You know, <laughs> you yeah. know it's just, it's a means to an end. And my, my goal is to help leaders. Right now, the, the podcast this year will probably become bigger than the blog, um, which, is, which is a real surprise. I had a goal of like a million downloads a year. Uh, it took me almost two years to get to a million downloads, then eight months to get two million. It'll take four months to get to the next million. And so I think we're going to probably see three or four million downloads this year on the podcast, which is great. But again, the goal is to help leaders. The goal, like you got to remember why you're doing it, right? And and so I would say the goal is not to have a podcast. I started a second podcast, the Canadian Church Leaders Podcast, because in my country, we don't have a lot of dialogue nationally. I know a lot of the leaders of major churches. There's not that many. And we don't really talk to each other very much. So I thought, well, I could start a podcast that would help with it. But again, it's a means to an end. Uh, if it stops being helpful, I'm going to stop doing it. If it stops helpful to being helpful to write a blog, I'm going to stop writing it. So, uh, you know, I feel like God has put a call on my life not to be a blogger, not to be a podcaster, not to be a writer of books. He's put a call on my life to help leaders. And so I'm looking for the right outlets 
that will help them. Like I, I came up with this idea of an online course uh, less than a year ago, and I launched this thing called the High Impact Leader. Well, I think I'm going to do another online course. But again, my mission isn't to do online courses. It's to help leaders. And that was way more effective, successful than we thought it would be. So it's like, gosh, maybe we accidentally stumbled on something here and we should do it again. And when it stops being effective, we'll stop doing it. Yeah, if someone's listening to this right now and they're like, hey, I want to check out your blog or podcast, can you just tell everyone where to oh, go? Oh, yeah, sure. Because uh, Carrie Newhoff is really hard to spell. Uh, if you get <laughs> even close, Google will take you there at C-A-R-E-Y-N-I-E-U-W-H-O-F. But uh, leadlikeneverbefore.com will get you there these days. So that'll take you to my blog and just about everything I do uh, you can find on there. That's great. I want to talk two things around your podcast. So you've interviewed some of the greatest leaders on earth. One, I'm just interested in how you network, um, whether you just reached out and, and they accepted those or that's a network you built over time. And really just as young leaders, what, what would you encourage them to do to reach out to some of their heroes? Yeah, I think you start with who you know. I was fortunate enough to know Andy Stanley. Uh, I lead a North Point strategic partner. I'm the founding teaching pastor at Connexus Church, which is one of the first partnerships. And so I knew Andy and I called in a huge favor and just said, hey, would you be my first guest? And he was so kind that he said yes. So that that gave us a good start. And I knew Perry Noble, but like my A-list was pretty small. So, and I wanted my podcast to be about people who everybody would know about and people who nobody would know about, right? And so I have guests that literally live down the road or people who go to my church or whatever. And it doesn't really matter as long as I hope it's a good conversation. And that seems to have worked. But I would say start with who you know. Like everybody wants to land Andy Stanley or Craig Rochelle or whatever, <laughs> sure. right? And, and, and start with who you know and just build it from there. Be consistent. Be really, really consistent because a lot of people start and then they're, you know, three or four episodes in and then they don't do one and they don't do it again. And then it's really hard for some of those people you want to be on your podcast to commit to that um, because I'm not, you know, I'm not going to take an hour and be on a podcast that's going to die next month that no leader wants to do that. And then um, eventually, you know, now these days, we, we get asked almost every day uh, by publishers, by authors, by publicists, hey, we got this author, you know, da 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 But that only started happening once we hit, you know, the millions or whatever in downloads. And so, you know, the harder part now is not getting people on the podcast. It's deciding who to have on the podcast and, and to make sure it stays authentic to what I want it to be. Yeah, and this is the nerdy side of me. What what do you do to prepare? And what have you learned about great interviews? Asking oh, great yeah. questions. What's your process for that? I'm glad you asked about that, Doug. Um, you know, I, I think be prepared to be the dumb guy. I think that <laughs> really works well. There's two schools of interviewing. One is the hyper research school where you read every book the guy's ever written and, you know, study everything he's done. It takes a very self-disciplined leader not to hog all the airtime when you've done that much research. And I, I think, you know, my job is to be the questioner. And I try to put myself in the listener's place. Like, just assume the listener hasn't read all the books, the listener hasn't heard all the messages, the listener may not even heard of a famous person that you think is famous. And don't be afraid to look dumb, ask, ask questions. Another thing I do is I try not to ask just content questions. Like if somebody's releasing a book and they're doing a book tour, but I want to have them on, try not to say, so tell me about chapter one, tell me about chapter two, because content is portable now and everybody's heard that. Anybody who cares about that has already heard that. I try to go behind the scenes. I like to pretend like it's lunch. So let's just talk. And 
Often the best interviews are the ones that go off script. So I will produce 10 to 15 questions that I send guests 24 hours in advance. And literally, I'll spend maybe 10 minutes on the questions, maybe 10 minutes on the questions. Now, occasionally I'll have a guest, like I interviewed Brian Houston. He was in Toronto. And again, his team asked, would you, interview. would you interview him? And so I wasn't all that familiar with Hillsong except casually. So I watched a couple, and I knew that he had been beat up in the press um, in Australia. So I watched some of those interviews and I read his book and I did some prep. And I just kind of went in and I thought, okay, I've got like an hour with Brian. What am I going to ask him? He liked it so much. He kicked off his leadership podcast with the interview and then they ran it on Hillsong TV in Australia. So it was, it was great that way. So I'm, I'm not saying I never do that, but like, uh, don't be afraid to be dumb. Don't be afraid to, to ask the question that they go, huh? You know, and, and then uh, an, another thing is never, ever try to trick your guest. Like I did an interview with a very well-known leader. If you're in church world, I, I could name that leader. And I asked some very, very open-ended questions. It was actually at a live forum. And asked this well-known international leader some questions. And he got very personal. Like I'm sitting there on a stage in front of people going, I can't believe he's saying this stuff. And afterwards, we're walking off together. And I said, hey, do you mind if if I use this on my podcast and he's like, no, 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 no. The next morning he texts me, Hey, I was thinking, I think I said some things that maybe I don't want to get out of the room. And it wasn't bad. It was just, it was really personal. And yeah. I said, you know what? No problem at all. Like we're just, we'll just pull that thing. No, no worries at all. I want guests to feel comfortable. I'm not out to make you look bad. I'm not out for that gotcha moment. I'm not out for that headline moment. And often what'll happen if a guest is at ease and you're asking them like dinner type questions as opposed to, so in chapter three, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes I do that. But, you know, but if you're asking them dinner type questions, they'll often tell you stuff that they never tell anybody else. And then um, give them enough space and be quiet enough uh, to get beyond the sound bites. Because if you've got a really high profile leader, they're used to being asked the same questions over and over again. And often the first 20 minutes of the interview, it's all the sound bites, it's all the pat answers. And then just like listen and be patient. And often toward the end, that is where, that's why I like, I have almost no end time on my podcast. I think I've done a 90 minute interview. Uh, often there are 45 minutes, an hour. A lot of people say, people don't have attention spans for that. Well, you know what? In 20 minutes, you can accomplish this much. In an hour, you don't know where it's going to go. And often, so those last 25 or 30 minutes that turn out to be the gold because they're past their sound bites. Um, they're really comfortable. They realize, and I'll tell them, hey, if there's anything you say in this interview you want to edit out, we're going to edit it out. No problem. I'm not, I'm not out to get you. And they're really comfortable and they start saying things they've never said before that, again, they're very comfortable saying, but nobody has given them that opportunity and, or rarely it comes up. And, uh, and that's, those are some of the, the favorite moments for me. And yeah. if you become trusted, they want to come back. If you... <clears throat> If, if, they're, if they're somebody that they're like, you know what, Doug's safe or Carrie's safe, they'll be like, hey, I got a book coming out. Would you mind? Like, it's like, no, if either they're a leader I believe in and, you know, it's a book I want to read and people want to read, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it. But again, I'm not going to do chapter one, chapter two, chapter eight. It's going to be like, well, why did you write it? Or what's the hardest part about writing a book for you? Or, okay, now you say that, you know, leaders burn out. Does it have to be 70% of leaders who burn out? Like, you know, or whatever. Questions like that that are just a little more offbeat. 
and yeah. follow your follow your curiosity. And the other thing I would say, like I I did an interview today with Lance Witt, who uh, works on the Soul Care of Pastors, and yesterday. I did one with a guy that Ramit Sethi in New York interviewed. His name is Andrew Mellon. And Andrew really is all about personal organization and how to organize your life. And he made a link between tidiness and leadership I had never heard before. Hit him up on Twitter. And he's like, yeah, I'll be on your podcast. So, you know, what what links those two? My interest, my curiosity, that's it. Like one guy's listening, it's like soul care and burnout. The next thing, it's like how to organize your closet and be a better leader. And, (laughs) you know, this is Andrew's book here. And it's like, well, what is the filter for what makes it onto your podcast? Um, My personal interest. And I don't, you know, I don't apologize for that. I call it the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. So if people don't like it, they can unsubscribe. I love that. Do you have a favorite interview or top two? Gosh, that's impossible. That's like picking between your kids. It's like, yeah. do you have a favorite child? No, I don't. I have two sons and I love them both. It's just, I feel like it's an embarrassment of riches. Like, I, I love it. Probably my greatest fear, we're 125 episodes in now or something, is that there's some gold that's just going to get buried there. So I'm, I'm now starting to think about how to repurpose content or just make sure that something that was amazing that happened in 2014 or 2015 doesn't get lost in, in the archives forever. So I don't know if that'll be a best of or whatever. So no, I just feel, and I, I just feel really privileged to be able to do it. Great. And last question on platform. Um, you've written two books. Can you just tell us about why you wrote them and, and how people can get them? Yeah, Sure. Uh, I've written three, one on parenting with Reggie Joyner, and they're all available on Amazon. And if you go to my blog, uh, the easy route is lead like never before. Wrote one on parenting, wrote one on change, wrote another one on change in the church. And then my next book is going to be on personal change. Why am I writing them? Uh, Leading change without losing. Reggie asked me to write the parenting book, and it was great. It It was incredible to do that together. And then change, it's such a big issue in the church, and we had a lot of experience in changing everything. So it's a story of how to lead change through, through, um, through opposition. And so for me, it was just a question. It was like an FAQ thing, and I thought, well, I can write that book, so I wrote it. And then Lasting Impact is all about the conversations I think growing churches that want to grow or growing churches should be having that they, they don't always have. And so I wanted to create a, a conversation guide for the church. My next book will be on personal challenges and changes that leaders, particularly young leaders, don't see coming. And like, can you avoid burnout? Can you avoid um, cynicism? Can you avoid becoming irrelevant? And how is it that sometimes at 35, 40, 50, you know, promising leaders end up in places they never expected they would be and I'm pretty excited about that. We're working on a, on a deal with a major publisher right now, and then I'll probably write that one this summer. And uh, I've got like, I don't know, eight book ideas, 10 book ideas. So I, I hired an agent last year and pitched them all to her. And she's like, oh, this is the one I like the best. So I guess that's what I'm going to write next. <laughs> that's great. I, I love that. So t- t- let's talk about young leaders for a minute. I think that's really interesting. How, what advice would you have for young leaders so they don't drift and end up 20 years. You know, I think when we're in our 20s, especially in ministry, we look at the Craig shells of the world and say, wow, I'm going to be there in 20 years. It'll be so awesome. And yeah. and then all of a sudden, 
that's not reality. You know, what advice do you have for the, the 20 somethings listening out there? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Doug. I would say for sure you need to work on your character. The reason Craig is still in the game, he's a super smart guy, but that guy works really, really hard on his integrity. So does Andy Stanley. So does Reggie Joyner. I mean, some of the names that have come up. So honestly is Brian Houston. It was a very powerful interview with Brian. Ravi Zacharias, another favorite guest of mine. I've had him on a couple times on the podcast. You know, there's a guy that honestly at, at 70 has just lived his life so well. You know, you want to be Billy Graham. And, and that's a competency thing. Those guys are hyper bright, but it's really a character thing. You know, they didn't, they didn't end up in the ditch. The other thing I would say to young leaders, and uh, I need to write on this. I've been thinking about this because there's all kinds of random advice. But I would just say um, my biggest piece of advice would probably be time multiplies your decisions. Just that. Time multiplies your decisions. In your 20s, at least it did for me. And when I was in my 20s, it felt like everyone was on level ground, right? You just all graduated. You were all just starting out. And you were all just married or just dating or just parents or whatever. And it all felt like everyone was on level ground. And I always thought by the time you hit 50, uh, life, life just worked out and everybody was successful. And of course, now that I'm just a little past 50, I'm realizing, no, that's not true. And what happens in your 30s is the people who make good decisions in their 20s, they tend to do a little bit better. And then, you know, struggles come along in your 30s uh, otherwise. And then in your 40s, the gap gets even bigger. And then in your 50s, it's a chasm. And the best advice I got when I turned 50 was from a friend of mine at North Point, who just, Lane Jones, and Lane just said to me, oh, Carrie, your 50s are going to be magnificent. I'm like, Lane, how can you even say that, man? Like, he says, because you did all the hard work in your 30s and 40s. He said, you went to a counselor, you fixed your marriage, you got healthy. And he said, so you're going to reap what you sow. And like, that is a double-edged sword. Time multiplies your decisions. And what happens is if you deal with the hard stuff when you're younger, it's like disciplining a toddler, right? If you do the toddler years well, your teenage years are going to be a little bit better as a, you know, for you as a parent. If you totally let pandemonium break out with your three, four, five-year-old, oh, good luck for your teen years. Like you have not set the boundary. And I think that's true. And I don't like it. Like I don't, I don't like that there are people who are really struggling at 50 and who are on relationship number three or you know, can barely pay for groceries or, you know, their life is just a mess, but time multiplies your decisions. And it's not fair, I don't think, that if you if you worked on those issues in your 30s or 40s or created a financial plan or worked on your character, that that actually, you know, you reap what you sow. It is extremely biblical, but it's extremely unfair in the sense that this all works out well with everybody. So I would say pay really, really close attention to what you're doing. And I'm not talking about success. I'm talking about actually finding the wide path versus the narrow path. I'm talking about, you know, a rich relationship with God, a, a great relationship with the people around you, and, and, and being the kind of person you would hope you would be. And then many things flow out of that. Yeah, you, you mentioned a few things. So I'm, I'm 30, I'll be 32 this year. Yeah. Just had our first baby girl. She's nine months old. That's great. Um, Congrats. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, I believe you said, 26 years into your marriage. What, what are some of the decisions in my 30s that I can make to make it to the finish line with my family, but also in ministry? Um, and, and I know you mentioned counseling and things. Or would that be it? 
Um, how, what decisions would you go back and make in your 30s? And for that matter, 40s. I would pay really close attention to the cracks. I mean, there are probably going to be uh, cracks in your marriage. There's probably going to be um, issues in your character that just surface. At least there were in mine. And, and there continue to be in mine. And, you know, there's a bravado to a driven leader. And you do an awful lot, Doug, I mean, in leadership. There's a bravado to a driven leader that says, I'm above that, I'm beyond that. It, it, the, the rules don't apply to me. They do. And so I would, I, would, I would really work hard on that. I would really pay attention to the tension points in your marriage, to the tension points with your team members, to you know, even, even the internal dialogue you have in your head. Is that healthy? Is it biblical? Is it, is it grounded in truth? Or are you like, you know... Usually we're one of two extremes. We're either I'm amazing all the time or I'm great or whatever, or we're like self-loathing, right? Like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'll never measure up. Well, neither is accurate. You know, as Tim Keller often says, you're more loved than you ever, it's worse than you ever thought and it's better than you ever dreamed, right? Like you, you are worse. Your depravity is deeper than you really want to admit, but you're more loved than you ever imagined. And I think if you can live in that truth and you can look at at the I don't even know how to say it but the the cracks in your humanity and you really pay attention to that and you get on your knees and you do the hard work. You know, and and it comes down it comes down to this like when I was in seminary I was in my 20s and uh one of my profs one of my my favorite prof that year we were just standing outside of class on a break and he just, we were talking about the weather, the Blue Jays, whatever. And he put his hand on my shoulder, like totally, it's like a scene out of a movie. It's like it didn't even happen, except I know for sure it happened. He put his hand on my shoulder and he just looked me in the eye and he said, Carrie, God is going to use you, but before he uses you, he's going to break you. And then we went back to talking about the weather or class or whatever. And it was like, that was the weirdest thing. And you never forget stuff like that. And I think when I burned out, God broke me. And I had no idea, you know, that that the next decade would take me all over the world and, you know, to millions of listeners, readers, blah, blah, blah. But he broke me and he needed to. And I would pay attention. If he wants to do it, um, let him do it because you don't know the plans he has for you. I love that. I, w- I want to end our time with just a few more personal questions. Yeah, sure. Uh, some are fun and some are real serious. But if you can go back to your 20-year-old self and give him advice, what would you tell him? Time multiplies your decisions. <laughs> Pay attention <laughs> nice. to your character. Uh, and uh, have a little more fun. You're not very good at fun. And uh, my 51-year-old self would say to my 20-year-old self, if you could take that a little more seriously, you'd probably have more fun when you're 51. <laughs> so I, I'm working on fun, man. I, I am. And it's still a challenge. Yeah. What have you found? I, I mean, I listened to Perry Noble as well say the same thing as his therapist said. When's the last time you had fun? He's like, well, I wrote a book. It was fun, you know. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. Like, yeah, that yeah, I really come. enjoyed I mean, this series. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? My wife and I actually just bought a boat. And uh, I've, I've, I, I need to be distracted to really be off. Now, distraction can be as simple as a movie. Netflix is a lot cheaper than a boat, but we'd had a boat for years, a family boat. And it kind of, it just got to the point where it was less reliable than reliable. And every time we went out on it, we weren't sure whether it was going to work. So I sold it last year and I said, I'm just going to do without a boat for a couple of years. And then I realized, you know, 
wow, that was really good. And it was good for family. It was good for us. It was good for having friends over. And I, I, I'll get to bring leaders on it, et cetera, et cetera. It's not a huge boat. You know, it's just a runabout. It's a, it's a bow rider. But like that is really good for me. And I am like perhaps sinfully excited about owning a boat again. Um, but I know it's going to make for more regular days off, evenings on the lake and, and so on. So for me, it's diversion. It's riding a bike. I do enjoy riding a bike. And I love barbecue, man. I got a big green egg a couple years ago, and that has not worn off. It is amazing. The gift that keeps on giving. So we love to entertain. We love having people at our house. And I love it when guys are like, I think that's the best steak I've ever had in my life. That's like, that's fun for me. And then life-giving relationships, you know, ministry, ministry, you can have a lot of draining relationships where you're really helping somebody, but you're done and you're like, huh, I need a nap. And you need to have friends around you. We're blessed to have friends around us who make us laugh till we cry. And, you know, five hours goes by at dinner or an evening together. And you're like, I can't believe it's midnight, you know? Yeah, that, that that's the good stuff. And so those are some fun things I do, but I have pretty narrow interests. And one of the challenges is I love what I do. Like I love being able to write. I love being able to work. I love, I love it. I do it all day long every day, which kind of got me into trouble. So I got to put limits in place. That's great. Hmm. Um, I am curious on the life giving relationships. What do you do intentionally there? Cause again, I'm sure just even as a pastor, everyone wants your time and then everything you're doing in the leadership world. Uh, how do you really just, protect those relationships and make sure that you continually are investing in them? Well, you got to make sure that, um, like we have some friendships now that are going on 17, 18, 20 years, actually over 20 years now with some friendships. And, you know, there are some that just hang on over the years. Sometimes you're friends for seasons. Sometimes you end up being friends for life. And I think it's investing in those. And my wife's great at it. Like I'm not a good friend. And I tell my new friends, listen, guys, I'm not a good friend. You're going to have to text me, okay? You're going to have to pursue me because I just forget and I get, I get isolated. And so it really takes work. And my wife, like, we sat down last night and she's like, we need dates for getting together with, you know, these friends and these friends. And so I'm like, I got one Saturday in March because I'm speaking again in March, right? So uh, anyway, we, we have to book it. You have to be intentional. Like, I have to book sermon prep time. I have to book podcast times. I have to book my calendar. And then I have to work just as seriously on on relationships as well. Because if I don't book it, like last year I was on the road so much with speaking, I pulled myself off this year because I think all fall between September and, and December, we maybe had people over three times. Because I was either always flying somewhere or coming back from somewhere and then I got meetings and then, you know, we had date night in there a lot. And Tony, my wife, would come with me at times, but it's like, I don't want to live this way. We need friends. I mean, all your friends can't live a thousand miles away. you got to have friends in your community. So, uh, and buying the boat was part of that. It's like, no, we're going to rekindle some friendships where, you know, I've connected with more people six weeks into a brand new year than I did in, in the last four months of last <clears throat> year. So you well, just have to be intentional about it. And it's down yeah. on my stated goals for 2017. I love that. Um, last two questions out of everything you've accomplished up to this point in your life, what are you most proud of? You know what? That I'm, I'm married. Sorry, I'm going to get emotional. No, that's, that's good. Uh, it, it, I, I love my wife. I love my family. I love that I've been able to serve the same people for 22 years. And some of those people from that original, um, group are still with us and those long-term relationships, I mean, stuff comes and goes, downloads come, downloads go, but 
to be able to actually be with the woman you married almost 27 years ago and be more in love than you were last week and more in love than you were a decade ago, that that is really, really rich. And actually, honestly, to find that my relationship with Christ is still alive and that he stuck with me for this long, that's that's pretty amazing. I love that. And then we, we alluded to this earlier, but at the end of your life, what would you want your wife and your family to say about you? What do you want to be remembered for? Hmm. I would say he made a difference um, to us, but also to others. Maybe something as simple as that. You know, I want yeah. I want the biggest I want the biggest impact to be with my kids and with my wife and with that, you know, circle of, you know, we all get what, twenty people that we can really do this life with meaningfully, maybe. Um, that that he made a difference to us and he made a difference to others. And, you know, through my writing, the blog, the podcast, if I can help leaders, I believe that's a calling God put on my life. But uh, never at the expense of the people who are closest to you. And, and fortunately, by the grace of God, uh, those relationships keep getting richer and deeper. And I'm, I'm extremely grateful for that because I know I am the first one to, to admit that I've got the personality that would let that stuff slide. That's good. Anything else you would want to leave our audience with or anything else that the audience listening can do to serve you? Uh, you know what? Just you're more loved than you realize you are, and Jesus is who he says he is, so keep building up the church. I mean, this is what we get to do in our lifetime in a changing world, and, and just, just be encouraged, and, you know, let's help each other out. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Kay. I really appreciate it. Well, Doug Smith is a young leader you got to pay attention to. His podcast is called L3 Leadership. You can subscribe. All the details are in the show notes. And Doug, thanks for a great interview. Really appreciate it. And thanks for being willing to share it here on my podcast. So there's a couple of bonus episodes for you in the last few weeks. Again, subscribers, you get these. And we're back next Tuesday with a fresh episode. Remember, this is it. The last 24 hours for the High Impact Leader. It goes away Thursday, May 25th at midnight. That's right. If you wait till Friday, it's gone. And I just want to see you, along with all the other leaders, get time, energy, and priorities working in your favor. Nothing would make me more excited than to see you get your life and your leadership back. That's what the High Impact Leader, I hope, will do for you. And so continue to love hearing the stories roll in. Thank you, everybody. And we're back next week with our regular episode. Thanks for listening. And I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.